Hi everyone, Handsome Husband Jim here. In case you didn't see the warning on the blog post, this episode contains a brief discussion about sexual abuse, abusive behavior, and rape. So if you want to skip over that part, when they start talking about the Shockwaves podcast, jump ahead to about 25 minutes. Now then, on with the episode. Tatra Amistrobin Hazarta. I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Read it. Hi, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely, and this week I'm very excited to have uh, the Gothic Miss Manners herself. Introduce yourself, please. Hi there, I'm Jillian Venters from Gothic Charm School. So, um, I asked Jilly to provide her uh, uh, formative film. And a, a modern film that reminded her why she loves horror. So, Jilly, what are your two films? So, the formative film is Poltergeist, <laughs> and my modern movie is uh, Starry Eyes. And oh my god. Poltergeist, I had not seen since I was like 16 until <laughs> you showed it at one of the Friday Night Horror Nights. And I mean, like, I brought my own stuffed bunny to your house and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And then, yeah, I haven't seen it again until I watched it last weekend. So oh, that's so crazy. So that was an interesting so, revisit. <laughs> so outside of those two movies, is there anything that you've watched recently? Um, yes. What what have I been watching recently? There were We saw Knives Out, which oh. I liked, but I suspect I didn't like as much as everyone else did. So there was just something about the ending where I'm like, this could have used like, not an extra twist, but like an extra story beat there somewhere. Um, I watched uh, Shirley, the the fictionalized life of Shirley Jackson. And my God, I loved that. That was so good. Actually, it was gonna I was gonna bring that up in movies that I've watched. So let's talk about Shirley because Shirley's fucking amazing. It really is. And I meaning I have meant to but I haven't done yet. I haven't gone and looked at the reviews for it. Because much like Midsummer, I suspect there's going to be a heavy gender divide between the reviews. Who likes it, who doesn't. Because um, that movie is such, I mean, it's excellent and it's a film, it's like being in a Shirley Jackson story. It would very it was. strongly reminded me of her work, but it also was a very good, if somewhat loopy look at what it is like to be a woman with creative impulses who also is not neurotypical, who has anxiety, who has depression. Because uh, a lot of it, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, this is maybe a little too resonant right now, but it's awesome. Yeah, uh, the things that really struck me with it was, um, are <laughs> I'm like, I, I, of course, like so much of what I'm thinking about this is like inspired by what you've said. So I'm like trying to formulate my thoughts. Um, what I really liked about it is I like less likable women characters yes. because they're really, really frowned upon. Um, whereas men are given this pass. Like, if they're just gigantic assholes, 
that, well, but look at their output, look at what they create, look at how amazing they are. Exactly. Um, and there's less room for women and women's stories to be about women who are strong-willed and not not genderly like not accommodating yeah because she's and the thing is is from what everything i've read their uh relationship was as her and her husband's relationship was as conflicted and picky at each other like they stayed together and and one of the things they don't mention is they actually had quite a few children if i'm yeah. not mistaken but like their relationship was fraught yeah they were i'm about halfway through reading the biography of her oh, i want to read that and yeah. it's yeah i mean they were they stayed together they are were very much in love but they were also it was a very conflicted relationship he was her biggest fan and her biggest critic so, and it was very yeah. interesting also in context because she was also known for writing this kind of like domestic comedy narratives. She, she was basically the Irma Bonbeck of that era. She wrote Raising mm. Demons and, and, you know, it's these, you know, funny looks at being a housewife and raising kids, but there's still that kind of thread of Shirley Jackson weirdness through it. And I oh, read Jesus, yeah. Raising Demons like years and years ago, but it very much is that sort of, you can still see the edges of that in there. And so having this movie, and it's based off a novel that I haven't read yet, but it's on my to-be-read list, but it is really a look at how there was such a weird dichotomy in her output and such a weird dichotomy in how she and her husband interacted. Yeah, Um I, uh, it kind of reminded me a lot of that documentary that I had in my five movies that made me the 10 Birch, oh, uh, yeah. street where, where he learns more about his mother and how everybody thought she was a bitch because she didn't fit. She didn't fit that time frame. She didn't fit the idea of what women should be doing or right. saying or being. And, um, another thing that I, it's, it, it's really hit me how little I've read of Shirley Jackson. You know, I read, I read the lottery as a kid. Right. And then, um, you know, I read, uh, haunting, haunting, of Hill it, House. It's haunting of Hill house. And then, uh, recently read, um, it was pretty much listening to you and rise talk about, um, how much you loved. We have always lived in the castle. Right. That made me read it for the first time, but it's like, I've really been concentrating for the last couple of years on reading more women mm -hmm. writers. Um, in almost to an entirety. And the thing is, it's, it's funny because once you start doing that, you start having a lot much, a lot more, a lot less, um, patience for the male gaze and male viewpoint driving everything. Yeah. When you start reading more men again. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a, there's a whole bunch of male authors I, you know, I still really like the work of, but, I can't necessarily go back and revisit them when I've tried to go back. You just and want to think fondly of them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm a little afraid to go back and reread some Clive Barker, even though, you know, Clive is coming at things from as a queer man, but I'm still. You know, you can't give queer men a pass because look yeah. at, look at uh, RuPaul's fan base. They are a bunch of, of shitheels that are just, yeah. Attacking and tearing everybody down. Yeah. Because they're still approaching everything from this entitled white male. Exactly. Exactly. And that's. Yeah. But apparently at least one review of Shirley from a male reviewer did use the phrase shrill 
And I'm like, oh, oh I bet. I will come to your fucking house, dude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was watching it and Pete wandered out like halfway through and just kind of looked at the screen and he's like, yeah, this was not going to be in my bag, but I'm glad it's making you happy. Yeah. And like immediately I, I after, I'm like, I want to watch We've Always Lived in the Castle again. And he's like, you are so weird some days. I I really need to give that a rewatch. I just wish the movie itself hadn't been so triggering for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it smashed it's what it one was. of your buttons right there. Right. Very hard. There. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think because we've been watching a bunch of newer stuff. We've actually been going through and, and watching not just the old traditional ones we've been watching. Yeah. Uh, but off the top, I mean, we've been rewatching it's just some not coming stuff to you. off of uh, Disney Plus. So, like, we yeah. rewatched. Uh, Princess and the Frog, which oh. I was so happy about, and Such yeah, the movie. the news the news about Splash Mountain finally being rethemed about goddamn time. It's, it's about yeah. Um, and we watched The Mandalorian, and oh. my my god, could Baby Yoda be more of the Red Panda of the Star Wars world? No, because yeah, <laughs> that, that was exactly where I was like, oh, it's a Red Panda, okay. So, um, in things that you might find uh, interesting, Jim looked at me one day and he's like, you know, I've been seriously wanting to rewatch It 1 and 2. And I was like, really? And I was like, so we rewatched it. And it it's still, like, it's, it's still really good. I liked I both still- installments. I, I yeah. again, I'm glad I watched them at home. Boy, am I glad I <laughs> yeah, watched them yeah. at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they held up really well. And I think how they, how it, two handled the ending uh, how both sections handled the ending were much better than the novel because i love big steve but like that book works for three quarters and then just goes right off the rails it really 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 (laughs) and you're like oh okay i mean nothing is going to supplant salem's lot for me in terms of favorite stephen king books but but yeah i like i liked those adaptations yeah uh, just a second, I'm just gonna look something up really quick before I, because I always, I always feel like I screwed up, Joe Bob. So, um, another thing that I watched, which <laughs> cracked me the fuck up for watching it. So here you get to, here you get to journey back, back in time to the to the time where Jen was a huge wrestling fan oh. and watched a whole bunch of movies. Uh, starring Roddy Roddy Piper, right. and it's it's not even <laughs> they live <laughs> um, on Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, right. I was like flipping through the stations on a Friday night, and they were showing Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh my god! Oh Which, my god! I I saw that in the theater and have not seen it since. Holds, strangely, holds up and is not as disgusting as you could imagine a movie done in the 80s called hell comes to frogtown to frogtown about a man who's you know still shooting bullets so to say Uh, yeah in in a world full of men who aren't right right (laughs) and it was it was ridiculous and charming and which is not what you'd think to say about a movie of frogmen right um, but it was, it was ridiculous and charming, and I really enjoyed rewatching we, it. One of the movies we recently watched was Us, which you had shown me, Ooh. but Pete hadn't seen. God, I love that and movie. And so he was like, 
this went in a, this got really dark and really weird really fast and not in a direction I thought it would go. And I'm like, uh huh, here you go. Because, you know, it's, you've seen movies with Pete, so he constantly has these theories he's trying to figure out as he tries to figure yeah. out what's going on. And the whole time I'm like, hmm, 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 okay. So it threw him? It totally threw, threw him. him. He liked it, but he was like, that was really, really not what I was expecting. Oh. Um, uh, there's another movie that was recommended to me by Bob Foster, who was on the episode last um my last episode with a handsome husband, Jim, he recommended vast of night, um, which is a, it's set in the 1950s. It's a very small cast and it's very much like a micro budget. And it's done in this stylized, almost setting it up as almost a twilight zone esque TV show where every once in a while it pulls back and you're watching it through the little oval TV (gasps) with, with, with a, like, you know, the kind of a faded color. Yeah. Um, but it feels it feels like an episode of Night Vale in a lot of huh. ways. Okay. Um, Jim, like, I was like painting at the table while we were listening to it because it's very talky at the very beginning where it's just this guy who works at the radio station and the young girl who works nights for the 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 um small town switchboard. Mm-hmm. And um, they're doing recordings and interviews of things, and they're just talking. And it's and it's funny because they're filming it kind of far away from them in their like nineteen fifties outfits, where they're walking along talking to people. <laughs> and I just keep laughing because they're funny, and and which is not something I typically say because I avoid most comedies, right. but. Because the humor doesn't strike me, but just like the little jokes and things that they were doing asides to each other, it just was humoring me. And I looked over at Jim and he was like kind of laying down and he had this look on his face of like, I'm kind of suffering through this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's, yeah. And you're like, and, and I was like, are you in, enjoying this? Because if you're not, I'm loving it and I'll happily watch it without you. And he's like, but I'm intrigued. Okay. And even at the end of it, he was kind of like, and so basically they hear this signal. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he starts discussing it, they hear it while he's doing stuff on the radio and it gets heard over the radio. Okay. And so somebody calls in about when they heard that before. And so they're starting to dig into it and it's, it's just crazy. And, um, I really, really enjoyed it. It's very gentle. Okay. Um, cause it is, it almost does feel really, really Twilight Zone-esque. Okay. But I really, really liked it. Huh. It's it's a very kind of sweet, though it kind of throws it at the end where they're like, it's, it, you kind of, I, I definitely need to rewatch it again. Um, but it's, but it, yeah, it was, I really, really enjoyed it. That reminds me. So, gosh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking back and forth with someone on Twitter, one of the, one of the Ham- Hannibal fandom people, because they were talking about uh scary movies that we wanted to watch yes i will get to that in just a second and they were asking for horror movie recommendations and i said if you have not seen uh resolution and the endless you need to see them they are they're go in unspoiled they're hands down the most terrifying things i've seen recently and one of the two guys one of the two writer producer director guys um replied to me I was like, thank you so much for saying that. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Which tangentially <laughs> leads me into one of the Hannibal stories, which is 
because we have the mad woman in the attic living with us now. And she's like, what the hell do you want to eat? Pick out recipes. So I was going through the Hannibal cookbook. I was like, okay, I want the Ravenstag stew. There is no way we're going to be able to get venison right now. That's just not happening. You yeah. cannot go pick up venison at the grocery store. So I asked on Twitter, I asked the rest of the Hannibal fandom. I'm like, what What do you guys think it should be? Do you think it should be you know, beef stew meat or lamb? And somebody said, well, let's tag in feeding Hannibal on this. So it's Janice Poon. The food designer and and chef who came up with all of the food. And she replied. She was like, oh, I'm so excited you're making this. Um, I will work. Here's the flavor profile you'd get from beef. Here's the flavor profile you'd get from lamb. And I'm just like, oh, my Aww. God. Janice Poon replied to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, my oh, little Twitter. Hannibal nerding just went out the window. Twitter is just both a beautiful yet horrible thing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I have my Twitter feed pretty heavily curated, so yeah. I don't, like, go into either existential despair or furious rage all the time. <laughs> Thankfully, I have followed a lot of people in my fa in my fandom, in Hannibal fandom, so there's a lot of, you know, stuff that could distract me. You know, I'm going to I'm going to bring something up that I wasn't I wasn't ready to bring up last week and i'm going to bring it up just because we're talking about twitter and how it can be good or bad mm -hmm. and i'm not going to go into too much depth on it um so there have been a couple of things that have blown up recently um with a a shockwaves host i was wondering um, what that was uh, basically they got to discover that um one of the rob g one of the Shockwaves hosts was kind of abusing his power, um, working in distributions for Fangoria. He'd been working uh, in distributions for, I think, Shock Tea Drop, I think. No, 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 no. Uh, anyway, working distributions for another horror movie um, and was uh, telling women he was taking them or going to be doing interviews with them, except he would get them on the interview and he would treat it like a date. Oh. And then he was, um, a lot of women have come forward that, uh, he would get kind of stalkery with them, and then um, he would, if they, like, spurted his advances, he would shun them. And then he'd also, like, actively tried to get some women fired. Oh. And it's really hard. It was really hard when I heard this um, because I was online friends with Rob, and I have been for the last six years. Right. And... um. And they were looking at, and on off of that note, um, they were looking to sell Fangoria. Um, this other company was opting to buy them, and it was run by someone else who um, was a known sexual assaulter mm -hmm. and rapist. Um, and they have since pulled back the sale, um, okay. but they are looking for another buyer. Um, and then additionally, um, there have been issues with the Suska sisters. Um, attacking fans uh they have a uh white supremacist nazi uh grouping that follows them oh. um and anytime anything's brought up they're like no our family's jewish like we don't do this except they will they have used their fan base and and attacked people right um right including including some people i know um, and it's just, there's been a lot of shitty things that are coming out on, in coming out via Twitter, coming out via social media, and it's impacting 
Like, who knows if Shockwaves is even going to come back. And between Shockwaves and Killer POV, they've been on the air for six years. Right. Recording every single week. Um, and, and it's really fucking ugly. And there's a lot of ugliness in the horror movie scene right now. And, and you're getting to see the division, um, when, when victims come forward. Yeah. And I, I need to stop saying, you know, believe women and start saying believe victims because. Yeah. We need to not sex that. We need, we to, need not to not gender, gender that. It, yeah. Um, the same but, thing has uh, been going on in gaming and comics right mm-hmm. now. And oh yeah, with it's a I bunch mean, of men that have, with the big news that came out about Warren Ellis about everyone you know yeah. people finally coming forward. I directly know four women. I mean, yeah. I directly know some of the people who he had this pattern of abusive behavior with, and so it's yeah. just really hard to. And I think what's even harder is, you know, it's like I follow uh, the directors and writers of Black Christmas and you see, you see the, the violence against female actors, creators, when, when they even try and push into these male led exactly. genres. Yeah. And it's, it's very ugly and it's very vicious and, like we're seeing that now with you know the women that are coming forward, it, you see a lot of push with. Um, it, it's kind of blowing my mind what's happening with it because number one, you see people who just blindly support the man, and they're like, "Well, you were never," and even women who are like, "Well, you were never bad to me, so I don't believe that you were ever bad to anyone else." Yep. You see the men that um, are like, "Oh, bro, cancel culture is bullshit," oh. and I, I believe it's all bullshit. Um, and then you see you see others who like will attack the person who's done the the terrible behavior but then they'll start attacking people surrounding the victims and people who even knew the perpetrator yeah saying well why didn't you come forward and why didn't you do more about this and it's like you know what these people groom those around them yes. just like they groom their victims. Yes. And it was really easy to look back in communications that I've had and go, oh, oh, oh. And then the, even like phrasing that was used, yeah. remembering that being in conversations. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just treatment of, you know, there. just different things that were said. And it's like, it's really easy to blow that stuff off when you're not like the target. Yeah. When you're not the target. And I wasn't in the scene. So, you know, it's like, and the thing is, it's like those people who are around that person who's been outed in these instances are hurting. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say there's not some scale out there of like victims pain versus friends pain. Right. But there is pain involved when somebody you like, love and trust is found to be a terrible person across the board and whatever that might mean. Yeah. It is a sense of betrayal. It hurts regardless. And, and, and it, it, and I think it, it hurts the community to treat them as equal perpetrators because the only people who are to blame for sexual assaulters and people that abuse their powers are those fucking people that are doing it. Exactly. There's, you can't put the pressure on, why didn't you say something earlier or how could these people not and have even, known? 
I know. And the thing is, is even like you hear, they're like, well, yes, he's been mentioned in the Whisper Network. And they're like, well, why didn't you do more? And it's like, you can't do anything. You can't. Like, especially like, I mean, especially in, in the instances of instance of the, the Shockwaves host where he wasn't out there sexually assaulting. He was out there misusing his power. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not something you can prosecute. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is, it's like, and a lot of the times, unless somebody, in, you know, you know, unless it actually is a physical rape, which I'm sorry, I'm going to have to put a warning on this on this episode. A lot of times it's difficult to even get that punished. But there's yeah. so many and different the- types of sexual assault up to actual physically raping someone. Yes. That are just as traumatizing. Exactly. That you that you can't get prosecuted because they're like, oh, well, that just happens. Yeah, it's it's such a... Like you said, it's such a variable, it's such a scale, and unless somebody has experienced that sort of thing somewhere on that scale, it's hard for them to to understand why didn't you come forward? Why didn't you say anything? And you look at the way that people are attacked, and there's a lot to be said for saying, I don't want to fucking go through that again, because I've already gone through something else that was already traumatizing to me. Yeah, I don't want to have to re-traumatize myself to justify... Exactly. why someone else is saying and it, this. it is not and the thing is is everybody's out there screaming for names like victims are not it is not necessary for victims to re-traumatize themselves exactly so that you can that you can put names to them yeah because also like, that's just opening themselves them up for targets that's yep. yeah and then that's not okay so, skipping past that um, <laughs> okay now that we've had that discussion yeah um i want to uh Go jump back into Jen's, Jen's documentary, documentary corner because Yay. it's so funny because I, I have not had the bandwidth to watch full movies. I, I haven't watched much lately. Right. And suddenly I was like, oh, but that documentary looks really good. And I swear to God, once I opened the door of documentaries, like I was watching like a movie a day. And so I watched a shit ton. And also they've um, there's been a lot simply because it's June or it was June in Pride. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, of gay and trans themed yep. documentaries, which – Again, those stories just need to be told, and it's just wonderful that they're getting lifted up there. But anyway, I am not going to do a lot about them, but I am just going to throw out a bunch of names. And if I'm mentioning it, it's because I liked it. Um, I saw Major, uh, which is about uh, this trans woman. She was like in her 70s, um, just a fucking badass. It's Major! Exclamation point. Oh, um, yeah, I watched- yeah, yeah, It was really good. Um uh, the show must go on. The Queen and Adam Lambert story. Oh. <laughs> I, I saw Adam Circus. Lambert in concert. It had to have been wonderful. Oh my god, he he is a fantastic performer. Yeah, that's the impression I got. And the thing is, it's like I remember, like his like, you know, I remember it was American Idol, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. American and Idol. like his his his, you know. He was just getting talked about so much. And then it was so crazy that he didn't win. Um, and then, like, he got really big. And then all of a sudden it stopped for a minute. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he came out and he was, like, singing with Queen. And it was, like, amazing. Yeah. Um, what else was there? Um, I saw Disclosure, uh, which talks a lot about the trans experience. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really well-made documentary. I watched Four Seasons Lodge. Uh, which is about a group of Holocaust survivors who bought a little camp, basically, um, in the Catskills. And they named it the Four Seasons Lodge. And for 
years, like, and only until very recently, because so many of them passed and are of such an old age. Uh, they had like 28 families that went there every summer oh. and formed their own community and support. Oh, that's marvelous. Uh, it really, yeah, it's really good. Um, the booksellers, which makes us 90s kids, it talks about how there used to be like 260 small booksellers in like New York and how there's only like 70 left. Yeah. Um, and it, it just talks about how I, you know, and I, I mentioned it on, I'm like, it'll remind you of like hitting all of those used bookstores and how you used to wander them for hours. And one of my friends piped up, she goes, well, I was just really picky about the bookstores that I went. I'm like, not me, man. No. If it said used books, man, I was beaten down its door and was gone for days. Some of my favorites were the ones that had barely any organization. Like, oh, well, those stacks over there might be science fiction or they might be horror. I don't know. Yep. And, you know, you, there's the danger if you're going to get crushed to death if one of those <laughs> stacks topples and that's okay. I am willing to court that death. Let me go pop through my, this stuff. My favorite was listening to like these these older women that they were talking about shopping in them and they were like, yeah, you know, and they didn't they didn't run these shops because they wanted to... Uh, to sell books, they just wanted to read all day, and they'd actually get really pissed at you yep. when you came up. Yep. They're these old Jews, you know, that would run these stores, and they'd smell like nicotine, and they'd just be, you know, either smoking and reading in the back, or smoking and reading up front. Yep, and yep. <laughs> she's like, she's like, it was beautiful. She goes, you could get these, you know, you'd get these wonderful books for super cheap, because they just wanted you to go away, so they just throw a price at you, and it was usually too little. Leave the store! <laughs> leave the store, ma'am! I know! <laughs> um, I watched Rewind, which is um, a young man uh, explores kind of some abuse that went on in his family and his father had always recorded everything. And then as he got a little bit older, he started doing recording and how he was able to like re-explore it as an adult, Oof. like going back watching. Oh, it was really, really good though, but it was really, and um, it was really good. Uh, and the last thing I'm going to mention is I have made the decision to start watching Noir Alley on Turner Classic Movies right. every Saturday night. Right. Um, because I miss watching classic film. And uh, this last week was uh, The Lady from Shanghai um, with uh, um, uh, Rita Hayward and uh, my mispronouncing her. It's Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth mm -hmm. and uh, and Orson Welles, um, and it's just post their divorce Ooh. and um, oh man, <laughs> and and I've kind of always I think I learned a little too much about Orson Welles like before I really experienced really him started in digging in yeah and so like I was. I was never really drawn to a lot of his movies just because I was like, well, he's a fucking dick. Oh, right. Kind of how I feel he's about a, a lot of sh about uh, Hitchcock. Yeah. I'm like, Hitchcock is a terrible person. <laughs> and so, like, I have a couple of his films. And so, you know, and it's like, you know, I've watched a couple of things here and there with Orson. But I, I started watching it. And the thing is, is what I loved is the guy opening. Because they always start out with this guy talking. And I, I've completely forgotten his name. That's one of the things I love about Turner Classic Movies is they always have, you know, this his art and film historian who comes in and talks about why it was wonderful and, 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 and little snips and bits about the movie. And he's like, this movie's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's a mess. And, um, there's, there's this shot, uh, and it, it does have a bunch of really, really super amazing, 
uh, cinematography in it. There's this beautiful uh, scene at the end of the movie where they're in a, a house of mirrors and it's, it is fucking amazing. Uh, Rita is just, he, she, for whatever fucking reason, Orson told her to cut off all of her hair and dye it platinum blonde. Okay. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She's still fucking gorgeous. Well, yeah. But they blamed, they like blamed that on like it bombing, they ignoring the fact that it's kind of a nonsensical mess. And, um, and for some fucking reason, Orson Welles has this like, Lucky Charms-esque <laughs> Irish accent that he carries through the entire movie. And, like, I was looking for a good... Because I always share, like, what I'm watching. I always share a picture from it mm-hmm. on my Don't Read the Latin Instagram. Right. And I had a picture for holding the gun. And even right as the movie started up, because I already have my feelings about Orson Welles. Right. <laughs> and then I see this beautiful picture of her standing there, like, looking strong, holding this gun. And I'm like, my only hope is that she fucking shoots him by the end of the movie. Right. And she doesn't. But, oh. like, in my dreams, when I rewrite that movie, she does. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Which is important. It's true. So, on to... Let's let's revisit uh, Little Jillian Venter's oh my God. Uh, childhood. So, and let's talk about when you first saw Poltergeist. So, I have to preface this with... Poltergeist was not the first movie I saw that terrified me. Yeah. But it's, I mean, that, that honor goes to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because Oompa Loompas are terrified. <laughs> and even before I saw Poltergeist, I'd seen, you know, Alien and The Thing. But while both yeah. of those jump scared me, they did not leave me sleepless for four nights straight like Poltergeist did. And the thing is, even going into the theater, and I saw Poltergeist in the theater with my parents and my best friend Jimmy at the time, and I'd read the novelization. So, you know, I knew what I was in for. But that didn't matter because also I read all of those true life haunting, there is a poltergeist <laughs> in the house or there is a ghost or something. I'd read all of those all through my, my preteen and teen years. So I was able to catch a lot of the stuff even at that age of, no, this is totally taken from like the actual like, true life stories about it. And so I got freaked out by that. The fucking clown doll man the fucking clown doll is not okay and this is the one and only time i can really remember my mother being actively a troll at me because we walk out of the theater we're going to the car and dad was like well what was the scariest part of the movie for you because you know both you and jimmy are, are still white-faced and completely freaked out and i was like the clown doll what the hell and mom goes but you have that doll it's like upstairs in the attic Mom, mom's saying that. Wow. Yeah, you know, if dad, if dad had said it, I would have been like, whatever. But, you know, mom never pulled that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I didn't sleep for like, you know, four days. Um, and revisiting it, it holds up really well. All it of the really practical effects are good. Um, Carol yeah. Ann is still just adorable and creepy as hell when she's talking to the TV. I wonder how well that holds up for i mean how did tecla take that because you showed it to her and was she confused about like the static on the tv i actually it was funny because we had to do a lot of setup for it and so here's here's the skinny on this (laughs) everybody was so horrified um we've been watching all of doctor who Mm -hmm. 
uh, with starting of the new series, um, with Tekla. And she's 11 now. You know, she's not this little girl anymore. And uh, we've been watching Doctor Who, and it has it. It really blew my mind how intro to horror, yeah. Doctor Who is, and it has a lot of like not just uh, um, the the silent the angels, right. not even just, but there's a lot of really scary, creepy imagery and stories. Oh yeah, and and I was like, how? And the thing is, I stopped her and I said, you know, these aren't shows that we'd have typically watched with you. Like, how are you feeling about them? Like, do you find yourself thinking about them at night? She's like, oh no, I mean, sometimes I think about them. She goes, you know, but it really feels like when you ride the roller coaster, that, that feeling you get in your stomach. And I'm like, absolutely. I said, and I love that feeling, which is why I watch horror movies. Yep. I said, you know, there's movies out there that are, you know, violent in a different way. Um, and I said, those aren't the ones I enjoy. Um, but there is a certain fun to like silly over the top violence and stuff like that. I said, but would you be interested in watching movies that are more moving towards kind of a horror note? And she's like, well, if they're like this, I think I would. And I said, well, <laughs> your Auntie I mean, Jillian is revisiting a movie that terrifies her. <laughs> and we did. And we watched it. Um, uh, we did have to do some prep work on ways that the world is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the remote control. Yeah. Oh, the remote control scene. wars. And, <laughs> and then also like when stations used to go off the air, yep. we had to talk about that as it was starting up. Um, but yeah, she just, and, and the thing is, is there were, I would deliberately lighten really tense moments, which I don't think you'd do in a movie theater. Right, right. Like, and so, I mean, I really deliberately made a call to lighten a bunch of things. But she really, really liked it. Well, good. Um, I will, it, now with the rise of being able to find details about a story, about a movie online, like the instant it comes out, has actually really mm-hmm. helped me reconnect with horror. Because... I can know what it's happens. It's really hard to go in blind. I, yeah. I enjoy that sort of story much more if I know where the scares are. I'm fine with it reading. Mm-hmm. That doesn't trick trip up my like anxiety issues, but movies, because they're I get so much more immersed in them. And so if it's a really creepy movie and I don't know what's going on, I get really tense. And then it does linger for me. So being able to look up stuff online, that's, I think, also why... The Endless and Resolution scared me so badly because it did, you know, in addition to it the... It took years. Yeah, in addition to that whole, you know, where is the, the permeable boundary of reality, you know, unreliable narrator <laughs> stuff, I, ha- I went in blind. I had no idea what was going on with it. And, you know, but the thing is that didn't happen with Poltergeist for me because I'd read the novelization. And, you know, so I knew the Indian burial Still. ground, I knew, but the visuals, the, the visuals of like where, where the chairs are all stacked up in the dining room. Where that's, that's just, you know, you walk that's around. That's one the- of those things that's always fucked me up is, yeah. is like where the chairs will be stacked or um, like all of a sudden you'll like, you'll just turn away for a moment. And when you turn back, like all the cabinets will be open. Oh, it's stuff yeah. like that, that like really makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it does for me. And then for the longest time, I was not okay with the idea of living in any place with a walk-in closet. That was, that was a deal breaker. <laughs> nope. Didn't want a walk-in closet. Thanks. <laughs> Not not even because it'll become a swirling vortex to the other world and there will be a clown doll and I'm not okay with any of that. I read I read the most beautiful little tidbit of, of information about Poltergeist. So the director that is credited 
mm-hmm. for Poltergeist is Toby Hooper. Right. Uh, but Steven Spielberg had a hand in, in writing it, and it has come out since that he had a lot of say and did a lot of the direction. Um, uh, Heather O'Rourke, who played Carol Ann, mm-hmm. handled a lot of everything, even though being really, really little. Yeah. Handled a lot of everything with the movie really, really well up until the scene where there is the vortex in the closet and she's hanging kind of like oh yeah being pulled and they have the wind machine going and the toys are flying into yeah. and apparently this drove her to hysterics oh, hysterics poor kid. yes steven spielberg stopped the scene went over picked her up and held her and promised her she wouldn't have to shoot the scene again and told her everything was going to be okay. And in a world... Oh, man. In a world where Keanu Reeves has come out, and even Gary Oldman has come out, uh, who is not exactly the best people in the whole world. Right. Keanu Reeves is a... Is a, is a treasure a and a fuzzy delight. bunny and treasure, yes, in human form. Uh, basically, to find now that um, Coppola had wanted uh, Keanu and Oldman to insult... And um, and belittle and scream at Winona Ryder for Dracula. Ryder to to get to get a reaction. Yeah. Like people like women, women aren't capable of acting. And to find out how many people are do have done that, to find out that Steven Spielberg just shut everything down, gave her a hug and told her it was gonna be okay and told her she wasn't gonna have to do it again. Yeah. Like that's that's makes great. makes the world feel a little bit better. I am not entirely surprised to learn that Steven Spielberg had more of a hand in the directing of it. Because the the whole opening section is just that kind oh, of everything feels. that golden era, you know, early eighties suburban yeah. life sort of thing that is was such a hallmark of his early movies that you could just totally yeah. see there. You can, yeah, he just it terrible. It, it, it's a horrible way of putting it, but I don't care because I'm a terrible person. Like he just peed all over it. It's just oh, got yeah. Steven Spielberg yeah. all you can, over you the can goddamn tell. thing. But um, the story thing I was going to mention just hold up. Oh, they really do, and it it just holds up. As, and I think one of the things that I personally love and why this movie has stayed with me for all of the years that it has is that they are such a good family. They are. They really are. I mean that. Yeah, they're totally there for each other. And even though mm-hmm. there's this weird stuff going on that they can't figure out, like. The dad doesn't automatically dismiss things, and the mom is really at first excited about, there's this weird thing going on, and we have no idea, but it's really kind of exciting and fun. And Mm -hmm. then, as things get weirder, it's immediately the, how do we take care of our family? You know, sending... Sending the son off to the grandparents. The the older daughter is going to go stay with with her friends. friends. And that's, that's really a nice family dynamic to see because you don't see yeah. that a lot in Mm-mm. in horror movies that no, are they, they used- set in that era because that's something you get yeah. in like the conjuring where again the family's really close-knit they still yeah. support each other but in more modern era setting another one i think of is a uh, devil's candy oh god that was the one i was trying to think of the other day that i wanted to to tell a friend to watch that such a good movie so so good a uh, thing I was going to mention a couple of years ago, um, uh, Sean Clark, uh, who he does um, 
horrors hollowed grounds he like shows like places where they've shot horror movies and everything and he's a he's a big collector of horror movie memorabilia Mm -hmm. he actually owns one of the clowns and and has it like like in a glass case in his house oh the fuck no no yeah no way no (laughs) and and it was really funny because uh he was being interviewed on shockwaves and he was talking about that uh the new remake of poltergeist had wanted to use the clown if they could Mm -hmm. but the thing is it's a porcelain head and i think he said that there had been three of them made i don't know what happened to the other two oh wow which tecla said actually more than the movie bothered her that there were just two of the other clown dolls like somewhere in the world that we don't know where they are well, I'm not sleeping tonight. Okay. I'm going to text um, you at like four in the morning. <laughs> but I actually met him at Crypticon a couple of years ago. He's a really nice guy. And, um, but they wanted to use it in the movie. And he said, well, you can use it if you fly me out. Mm-hmm. And I'm the person who has it the entire time. And they're like, well, we don't want to spend the money on that. And he's like, well, then I'm not sending it to you because I've worked on movies Yep. I know what the prop people are going to do with this. Like, they don't care. It's just a prop. Yeah, exactly. He goes, and he goes, they'll keep it in good shape until they've used it. And then they're just going to throw it on the ground. And it's going to break. And then I won't have this, you know, beautiful thing anymore. In air quotes, beautiful exactly. thing. <laughs> I lost your video, but it doesn't matter because we're a podcast. <laughs> I should come back to the video now. There oh, we go. Oh, there you are. But uh, anyway, like I just wanted to share to the world that, that it like exists out there. There is a really great little um, documentary on cursed films. They're only like half an hour oh, episodes. Wow. Okay. Uh, they have one for the Omen. They have um, one for and it, it kind of covers the entirety of the Polter- Poltergeist series. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have it's like six different films. Um, um, they have The Exorcist is the other one that I've watched. Um, and they're you know I mean they're. They're Shutter Shutter Originals, so I mean they're not, you know, and they're talking about cursed films again, oh, right. throwing out the air quotes. Um, so it's you know, and, and one of the really cool things they did with Poltergeist was it had a guy who was, was the prop man, um, where he he's like he goes, I get actually really angry when they talk about part of the reason why it being cursed is because we used real human skeletons. He goes. He goes, I'm really sorry to tell you. He goes, number one, I find it really offensive that, right. like, you're going to sit there and tell me this beautiful little girl died because we used a human right. skeleton. Right. That Dominique Dunn was strangled by her ex-boyfriend because we used a real human, human skeleton. skeletons yeah, in the film. He goes, excuse me, let me show you all of the other films that have used, used human skeletons because they're not going to pay a prop man to recreate a a skeleton when they could go to a medical supply company and spend money and get a whole human skeleton. Yep. They're like, it's done. It was done all the time. All the time. So he goes, you know, but it's just, it's weird how so much has followed this movie around. And I think part of the reason why it's become such a, a movie zeitgeist where it's talked about all the time is because there is so much tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. With that film, too. But also, I think, because it is such a kind of... It's just a good film. It's a good film, and it's, like, one of those defining horror movies that, you know, is that PG, probably would have been PG-13 era of our generation. A, yeah, and it was given a, a hard R, like, and they were able to work it back they a were, little bit. Yeah, they were able to walk back. And I think they're one of the first movies that did hold a PG-13 because when they were given that PG-13, it hadn't really existed yeah, it too much it before that came out. So, yeah, I think that's that's also part of why it hangs on to everyone's consciousness. 
Yeah. And also, I mean, and just that iconic, it, they're here and that. I mean, it's such and an also, iconic image. And getting the introduced tech letter root, Zelda. Zelda. <gasps> Zelda. I love Zelda. I love so Zelda, but then when you got that, this house is clean. You are wrong, lady. You are wrong. Full of lies. <laughs> you have failed your, your psychic medium test here. You need to go back and relicense. <laughs> All right. Was there anything else that you wanted to bring up about, uh, it, about Poltergeist? Again, it was, I'm really glad I got to watch it again while I was at home. So I could. So, so again, Jill, what happened when you were watching it at home? Oh my God. I <gasps> forgot about, and I don't remember the exact point in when it happened, but there was a moment and it was a really climactic, you know, early on scary bright moment. Bright flash of light. The bright flash of light that happened. And there was a power surge in our neighborhood. So everything <laughs> just kind of blinked out and restarted. And Pete and I were like, what the hell? What the hell I was that? I love that as soon as. As soon as you calmed down, you and Pete called me. Yeah, because he was he was like it. because he was like this. You're talking about this on Don't Read the Latin, and I said yes. And he's like, okay, I've got we've got to call Jen. We've got to call Jen right now. And I'm like, okay, you are not wrong. Yeah, that was just that moment of like, okay, the universe is just trying to mess with my head. Fine, be it that is. way. <laughs> so let's move on to Starry Eyes. Oh, so that was another one that you showed me during Friday Night Horror Nights, <laughs> and it's not the first movie I saw with you for Friday Night Horror Nights, but it was one where you were like, yeah, I found this, and it's a VOD indie horror, and it's great. God, I fucking and love that movie. I know I was one of the people there who was like, fuck yes, this is amazing. And again, and more and more I'm finding this, it's I feel because it's a very female-focused sort of horror, I think the part of the horror intrinsic will hit harder for women, especially women who've been in a creative or performing arts field, where so much of your career hinges on how accommodating you will be, how far in accommodation are you willing to go. And so about well, what the a third of the way through the movie, when she goes through her second audition with Atreus <laughs> Pictures, but before she goes to go talk to the producer at his home... Um, so there's, you know, she goes through that really harrowing audition where they're like, no, we need you to disrobe. Do what you didn't. Yeah. Do what you did, you know, all of that. And Pete paused the movie and he said, I'm actually surprised that you really like this and you can watch this because I would think it would give you some pretty bad flashbacks. And I was like, I am far enough away from any sort of having to audition for things that it doesn't hit my issues and now I can kind of look at it as a yes I know what this is like and I that, yeah. that adds to the realism and this for is me. A, and this is a fair representation of how you felt yeah like how like how a woman feels being powerless in those instances exactly and then the whole friend friendship quote-unquote friendship with the other girls who mm -hmm. are just that one that one girl that one character who's constantly fake complimenting her and oh maybe i should oh, audition that role maybe yeah, i should that audition role that, that i stole from you yeah and, and yeah and that's so true to life and yeah. thankfully i would i never went acting but in the music industry in going out to audition for bands and going to audition for shows and stuff like that it's the it's the same sort of thing where i don't think it's yeah. the case as much anymore but especially back and it's probably totally different in Hollywood and acting, but at least in the 90s in Seattle, 
it was very backbitey. It was very backbiting yeah. in the music industry about, you know, women were not yeah. banding together and trying to support each other as much as we should have. No. It was no. very competitive. Well, and one of the things, I mean, again, thank you, Twitter, for giving us insight um, into we- women actors' experience working. They're like, I- I've seen women state, you know, if you see a woman branded as difficult or hard to work with, it is you could put money down that the the instance is is in actuality that she has told a man no mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason or told them that no something like that either puts me in danger I'm unwilling to do that thing mm-hmm. um, I'm unwilling to let you do that thing right you know it that um, that all of these women who get branded is difficult hard to work with it is an instance where I mean the director's literally took you know the scene where she's with the producer and or no 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 the the second interview where they have her disrobe right to show her willingness uh to open up yeah to be vulnerable and and be open was literally taken from another woman's experience um uh auditioning for a very famous director yeah i am i am not surprised at all um, and, uh, but yeah, a lot of like the ugly things that happen were literally taken from friends of friends experience that they wrote it. That's part of why I stopped trying to perform in bands. You know, I did that a lot through college and I would end up being in a band for about six weeks to three months. And then it, you know, I made it very clear. No, I'm not going to sleep with one of you guys in the band. No, I'm not going to bl- go blow a promoter to get us a show. And then I was difficult to work with. And yep. it was just... So, in, in a way, I get why Pete was like, I cannot believe you like this movie. You know, I can... I would think that this would be a huge issue for you. But there's something cathartic about it. And yeah. there's also something very cathartic about where she... Okay, this is going to come out really poorly. But if you decide you are going to make those sacrifices and you are going to go to those lengths to get the career you want to get that dream then you might as well become an unnatural supernatural creature who eats people you know i am sign me up i'm here to be a vampire anyway so sure that's you know and it, it was really funny because i felt like i felt like I was watching the movie with fresh eyes when I saw it this time because, you know, it came out, I think, 2014. Something like that. And I've watched it a couple of times, like right after watching it for the first time, I I watched it a couple more times within that first couple of years. And then I've had a couple of years where I haven't seen it. And it was interesting to rewatch it now and to have slightly different takeaways on it. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that I was reminded is that maybe she's not a reliable narrator. Maybe like the people that she's hanging out with aren't quite as bad as she's presenting them to be. But also a lot, having watched it within really close, close proximity of seeing Shirley Mm -hmm. um, made me go, well, yes, she's going through hell to do this. And yes, This might be a horrible experience, but it's crazy that, God, how do I put this? Um, She was all in because she saw herself as the thing she was willing to bet on, Mm -hmm. regardless of how monstrous she might have to become. Yes. In order to be like, her end goal was success. Yes. 
and her success. And she was willing to become a literally pure monster. Right. And to do that, thinking around that, because that's actually very interesting for me to look at because of where I, you know, who I knew in the Seattle music scene in the 90s and stuff like that. I, I always hold that, you know, Courtney Love has written some brilliant, brilliant albums, but she is a train wreck on stiletto heels. And yeah, but I do have to admit, you know, she was always very adamant about she was going to be someone. It's just yeah. she has left a lot of damage in her wake. And there are a lot yep. of people who are like, well, if it was, you know, if male rock stars have behaved just badly and it's like, you are not wrong. I do not have I did not have direct experience with them. So, <laughs> so, you know, that, that color is my perception, but the, yeah. the fact that, that the lead character in Starry Eyes is willing to go that length and become a monster, become a literal monster is mm-hmm. in a way I respect that. I kind of, yeah. You know, it's that embrace your dark <laughs> powers. What are you going to do? I'm going to be who I want. Okay, then. Yes. That's that's all good. <laughs> and the effects and the body horror are just mm-hmm. And the fact that she she put like all of those bugs and maggots in her mouth to to vomit into the bathtub so that they didn't have to do it with CGI. Like Alex Esso is That is hardcore. F- that is fucking, a step beyond she's I would an amazing, go. Amazing. Yeah, she's an amazing actress. Um to me, she is still one of the highlights from Doctor Sleep. Um, Which I need to see. I haven't watched yet. You know, it's really funny because Jim and I really liked most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the like last third of it feels like a completely different film. Um, I know Rias disliked like the third act because she didn't like them going back to the shining version of right. going back to the hotel. I really loved that part. I think um, Rose the Hat is a, a amazing, terrifying creation okay uh she's like the main female like big bad and she's absolutely amazing um but it's funny because uh lisa van Everys, who's we've had on the podcast too um really disliked a lot of it (laughs) um it's it's just really like to me it i loved the book and i thought it played a wonderful homage to the original book Mm -hmm. i liked i liked the book of uh dr sleep um and it took the pieces that I love and the icons that I loved from Kubrick's movie mm-hmm. without pandering, you know, Fa- without pandering too much to him. Yeah. Okay. And because uh, I don't really there's a lot I really dislike about um, about the, the Shining the movie. Right. A lot of it and a lot of it has to do with his treatment of Shelley Duvall. Yep. Um, and and the characters like, you know, the characters are all really one note because nobody has any epic like you know jack doesn't have this climb to crazy town no no he just comes straight out the door he he enters fully fucking crazy i and stays there i feel that way about almost every one of jack nicholson's performances he is he is yeah. not someone i like to watch he's not a nuanced actor no no he is not so you get jack you get jack nicholson yeah uh but yeah, um, it's it's kind of like um, oh crap! No, I'm blinking on his name. The actor who plays Ash from Evil Dead. 
Oh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, you you don't get nuanced performances from Bruce Campbell. You get Bruce Campbell, yeah. and that's what yeah. you're paying him for. And, and you take it and you like it. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, with Starry Eyes, um, I, yeah, no, it really, it, it was almost like seeing a different movie. Uh, watching it, and I loved it just as much. I thought everybody is really wonderful. It's, Nobody drops the ball in that movie. No, it's so well done. And, I mean, I I bought it on Blu-ray, like, last yeah. year, because I was finally like, I need to rewatch this. You know, it has been it has been haunting me since Jen showed it to me. I just need to go find it and get it. So I got a copy, and, and I've rewatched it, like, three times since I got my copy, because I just... If I ever, if we, if Crypticon ever happens again, <laughs> you know, post-pandemic if world. Cons, yeah. Um, I really do want to submit a panel idea to them about, you know, basically magical girl, you embrace your dark power and you go girl. Because, I mean, we've got Starry Eyes, we've got The Legacy, we've got The Witch, and, I mean, Ginger Snaps, and Jennifer's Body, and all Sabrina the Teenage Witch, all of these things where it is... It is women stepping up and accepting that they're going to be monstrous so they can have power. And that is all well and good. And again, it goes back to those unlikable, almost unlikable female characters where it's, Mm -hmm. if the story had been about a male character, people wouldn't really bat an eye at it. Yeah. I mean, think about how people would have reacted if genders had been, if it had been a completely different gender story around Midsummer. If it had been mm. a male protagonist, think about how yeah. how people would have reacted to that. Yeah. Mm. And and again, it's something that, you know, to go to go off my own, you know, specific genre focus, it is something you really see in a lot of the vintage gothic romances that I read of yeah. these young heroines once they start accepting owning their agency and going to solve whatever the hell is going on, they get smacked down hard frequently. And the denouement of the story is always, no, you know, she has proven herself right. There is something weird going on and she is triumphant and probably gets married and gets the cool house. But the journey to get there is she has to believe in herself, even though everyone around her is saying, oh, no, no, you're crazy. You're going crazy. There is a family curse. All your emotional feelings are just getting you're in the way of your overreacting. Yeah. So, <laughs> and the fact that we're seeing more horror movies come out with that sort of almost unlikable female character and letting them be the main character is a really big deal. Yeah. I am really hoping that with um, the studio system kind of getting knocked on its ass due to COVID, mm-hmm. that it hopefully changes uh, the focus of big budget versus these smaller micro budget movies. Right. Perhaps creating room for them pulling more from those markets of, you know, the, the, the Blumhouse experience where you get a whole bunch of movies, but they're made for this smaller dollar amount. Right. You know, because I think it would change the entirety of cinema that we see if we stop saying everything has to be, a five hundred million dollar movie, it has to whatever. Make X I, I, I don't of money even know the number. And... That yeah, that too. That they all they all have these huge budgets which they have to make back. So you only get like these three kinds of movies. Yep. Like if we go back to a smaller 
you know, and it, the thing is, it, it hurts no one. It helps everyone. Yes. To have like these different, you know, you don't have so much to make back. So you can take more risks for more interesting stories that aren't just about white men. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, I'm going to wrap this up because I think this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I miss you. I'm, oh, God, I miss you, too. So, um so thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jillian Venters. Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at gothiccharmschool.com. And you can find me on damn near every social media platform, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. If you just look for Gothic Charm School or Jillian Venters, you will find me. I am... Or you can or you can buy her book. You can buy my book, Gothic Charm School, An Essential Guide for Goths and Those Who Love Them, available at bookstores everywhere from <laughs> HarperCollins Publishers. All right. So thank you for joining us, everyone. And I'll see you again in two weeks. Yay! Bye! Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com On Twitter at drtlpodcast On Tumblr or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and thieves about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>